KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, and KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. It's 3 p.m. It's time now for Cover to Cover. On March 5, 2007, a car bomb exploded on Mutanabi Street in Baghdad. More than 30 people were killed and more than 100 were wounded. This locale is the historic center of Baghdad bookselling, a winding street filled with bookstores and outdoor bookstalls, named after the famed 10th century classical Arab poet Alip Mutanabi. This is an old and established street for bookselling and has been for hundreds of years. It has been the heart and soul of the Baghdad literary and intellectual community. My guests are part of the Mutanabi Street Coalition that is involved in letting us not forget what took place on March 5th. I'm Amelia Gonzalez and want to welcome you to Open Book, Friday's edition of Cover to Cover. I'm honored to have with me for the first half of this show, Summer Brenner who is the author of eight books of poetry and fiction. She has two books forthcoming, The Missing Lover, three novelas, coming out in the fall of 2007, and My Life in Clothes, that is coming out next year. I also have in the studio Bo Beausoleil, who is a poet and bookseller in San Francisco. He has published nine books of poetry, the latest titled Concealed in Language. And by phone, we have Sinan Antun, who is a poet, novelist, and filmmaker. He co-directed About Baghdad, an acclaimed documentary. His essays in Arabic and English have appeared in The Nation, Middle East Report, Al-Haram Weekly, and the Journal of Palestinian Studies, among others. He has published a collection of poems, Baghdad Blues. His novel, An Iraqi Rhapsody, was recently published in English. He teaches Arabic literature at New York University. Welcome to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to start with talking about the significance of the bombing of such a street like Mutanabi. Bo? I was struck immediately um, by the news reports of that bombing because it was essentially in my own backyard as a poet and a bookseller. Um, it's one of a continuing series of daily horrors, but I felt that I wanted to somehow isolate it and enlarge it um, so that we could all step into it and respond. And so I started to organize this coalition. In the beginning, I did what any, anyone else does, which is wait for somebody else to do it, but no one did it. And so I just started contacting people, and slowly it is spread out really so that it encompasses a number of events in the Bay Area and beyond. I wanted to see what Sinan had to say given that you are from Baghdad and what the significance of hearing about this and what propelled you to be involved. Well, as Bo just said, I mean, it's it's an essential part of the cultural life of the city and it's, it's uh, while it's just one more disaster in the daily disasters that we have in Baghdad, but I think it has special significance for those of us who are writers and artists and are into books uh, because I think in a way, I, I don't want to generalize, but while there are many Iraqis who are non-sectarian and of course are against everything that's happening, it is specifically amongst artists and writers um, that there's a large number of people who are against all of this sectarianism and that street 
was one of the few places still in Baghdad where there were no checkpoints and all of these new categories did not exist and where people from all ideological and ethnic backgrounds would just get together and meet on, on Fridays just to exchange and to have dialogue. So I think it's it's significant and it was not chosen accidentally. And, and I think it's important for the writers inside to know that you know, people here in the United States are doing these things because, frankly, they feel really cut off, especially those who, who are not in the political game. They feel cut off from the world, and they need to hear that people support them all around the world and, and understand their steadfastness. Thank you. I wanted to ask, Summer, you were uh, raised in Georgia and migrated west, and what about this event inspired you to get involved? Well, I think the name itself... Uh, was so uh, s- such a tremendous magnet to me personally, Mutanabi Street. And we hear about the bombings and we hear about the atrocities and we're horrified. But mainly the, it isn't so personalized to the name of a street. And somehow that gives us sort of an intimacy to to what's going on because we think of our own streets where we live, everyone lives on a street, works on a street, um, conducts their life on streets. And it's not just a city. The city's a composite of streets. And so I loved that we were going to be taking this down to something of a microscopic uh, level of looking at what happens to one street in one city um, in this particular war. Unfortunately, when we're facing war and the devastation that it causes, 30 people were killed on this street, and the significance of killing the symbolism around culture uh, doesn't really get the sometimes the recognition for a lot of reasons, but I wanted for the three of you to address the issue of how culture is affected by war. Well, I think there's, there is really a targeting of culture in any kind of war situation where it's almost as if the people who are cultural workers are targeted to reduce it and reduce that number until it's smaller and smaller and smaller until somehow you make the present into the past. I said at a reading just before the invasion of Iraq that I made a comment before the reading that it was amazing that we were all still here because usually poets are taken out and shot quite early on as a tribute to what they do. And the fact that we were still here meant we weren't quite doing our job. Uh, We weren't quite the thorn in the side that we should be. I would add to that that the work of the artist is to imagine it differently and to articulate that difference uh, for those who haven't, who haven't I'm imagined I'm going to read it. from a book called Anana, Queen of Heaven and Earth. And these are her stories and hymns from Sumer. Sumer is an ancient civilization that uh, occupied what we know as southern Iraq. And uh, these cuneiform tablets uh, were discovered by teams of archaeologists um, from the University of Pennsylvania, actually, in the late 19th century, and it took decades and decades to piece the tablets together, somewhere in Turkey, somewhere in um, in Philadelphia. And then in the 1980s, this book was published, and it's by Diane Wolkstein and Samuel Noah Kramer. Anana, 
queen of heaven and earth, the lady of the morning, honored counselor, ornament of heaven, joy of on. When sweet sleep has ended in the bedchamber, you appear like bright daylight. When all the lands and the people of Sumer assemble, those sleeping on the roofs and those sleeping by the walls, when they sing your praises, bringing their concerns to you, you study their words. You render a cruel judgment against the evildoer. You destroy the wicked. You look with kindly eyes on the straightforward. You give that one your blessing. My lady looks in sweet wonder from heaven. The people of Sumer prayed before the holy Anana. Anana, the lady of the morning is radiant. I sing your praises, holy Anana. The lady of the morning is radiant on the horizon. And so the threat of the imagination of a different world and making a difference is something that's, that's uh, I think, fortunately, it does threaten the status quo. Yeah, I, I wanted to add one other thing in that while, I mean, it seems that people are aware of the cultural destruction that takes place at the hand of the insurgents or whatever you want to call them, the terrorists, but the tragedy of the Iraqi people and those in, in culture in particular is that in the last three, four years, they have been really been destroyed from both sides because what the invasion meant, and I'm sure the listeners know about this, is the systematic destruction of Iraqi cultural memory, whereby museums and the national libraries were left for the chaos that ensued. And, and um, you know, the United States as an, as an occupier was responsible in that it was supposed to maintain this. So on the one hand, you had a, a massive destruction of, of the cultural infrastructure and all of these institutions that had nothing to do with Saddam Hussein and belonged to the Iraqi people, basically. And now, in a way, sadly, whatever is left is being destroyed. And I wanted to add about the relationship between culture and war, not that this war could have been avoided, but I always argue that had more Americans known that Iraq is not just this void, but a place that had its own culture and its own people with very important contributions, perhaps the American people would not have been herded so easily towards war. And it's terrible that after two wars in Iraq, the 1991 war and this last war, and most of the citizens know very little about this Iraq and the culture that it had before we ever went there, quote-unquote. And that connection is so important, like you said. It almost has to be intentional when you think of war, when you think of uh, breaking down a history. Yes, and I should add that on the first day of the war, The Guardian, the British newspaper, had a a journalist with one of the American, um, you know, troops going into Iraq, and he was quoting a soldier from West Virginia. He said, we've been driving through this Iraq for three hours, and I have yet to see a Wendy's or a mall. Do these people have any culture? And he was dri- he was half an hour away from Ur, one of the oldest cities in the world. And, I mean, of course, that soldier is, is the victim of, of a socioeconomic structure, and that's why he's in the army. But to tell you the the ignorance with which Iraq is, is seen as this void. And when there is a place that's considered to be void and has no culture, then it becomes really easy to sustain the myth that we're going to go and refashion this place and recreate it from, from nothingness. 
I, I think that one of the things that um, we're trying to address here also is that in the arts, one of the things that artists look for is a commonality. And it's so painfully obvious here, and it's, it's one of the things that we use on our flyers. We use the line, Mutanabe Street starts here. And that's that commonality. It starts at the threshold of all of our bookstores here, all of our streets with cultural institutions. And to forget that, to not see how we are linked to Mutanabe Street and the people who were there that day, it's just, it saddens me. Um, and that's why we want to take this one moment, March the 5th, and this bombing to try to address this. This is a poem of my own called One. There are three words at the wrist and the forehead, and these are the first words of naming. There is a word in each word, a word responsible for the divine, and there are three words described of blood. These are the words offended by memory. Stealing from uh, Summer Brenner, what she just said about the artist imagining differently. I wanted each of you to talk about what you're imagining, what your goal is for this and for the understanding that you're bringing to the issue. What do you hope to accomplish, Summer? I think to send out our voices through the world, to say that we are, we are writers, poets, booksellers, printers, and publishers, and that we care so much about the word. And that the word itself can make a difference. We've seen how the words um, in certain people's mouths have been so twisted and distorted. And I think we want to be an antidote to that. That That is what I would hope we could accomplish. Sinan? Um, yes, I mean, I want to add to what Boss said, really, that El Mutanabi Street starts here, that we are all in this together. We are all invested and we are all complicit in a way. And I'm reminded of what Neruda said about poetry being, you know, um, solitude and solidarity at the same time. So to express solidarity at this moment is very important. I, I just want to say that 1991, when I was in the darkness of the shelter in Baghdad, being bombed by American planes, when I heard on the radio that there were people demonstrating in America and in Europe, it really made a difference, although I did not know whether I was going to live or die. But the fact that somewhere on this globe, someone else had taken the time and the effort to to raise her or his voice about my plight, uh, that made a difference, and that helped people go on. So I think it's it's very significant to, you know, keep raising our voices and express solidarity and see how we are all complicit in this, whether we like it or not. That's the voice of Sinan Antun, who is a poet, novelist, and filmmaker, and is part of the Mutanabe Street Memorial Reading that is going to be taking place this weekend, and we'll talk more about that. In the studio, we've also had Summer Brenner, who is the author of both poetry and fiction, who's also part of this coalition, and Bo Beausoleil, who will be back with me shortly. We continue to talk about the Mutanabe Street Coalition that is involved in letting us not forget what took place on March 5th. I'm Amelia Gonzalez, here on Cover to Cover Open Book. And with me in this second half of the show, 
we have with us Julie Brooke, who is a Montreal-born writer and teacher. She has two books of poetry, The End of Travel and The Woman Downstairs, and has been published in Ms. Magazine, Plowshares, and The New Yorker. We also have with us Palestinian poet Dima Shehabi, who has been nominated for a Pushcart Prize. Her poems have appeared widely in literary journals and anthologies. Thank you for joining me. I wanted to ask you about the significance of the bombing of such a street like Mutanabi. I think there was a sense um, of recognition for anybody involved in writing and selling books and reading them that this was more than just another bombing in Baghdad, which people have become so numb to, that this was an attack on the free exchange of ideas. And we recognize in a community like that, we, we're, we all live on Mutanabi Street in a sense, and we're all part of, we're all figures in the carpet in our own communities. Um, this is something I'm working on, and it's um, adapted from a rep the reporting of Sudarsan Raghavan, and I apologize if I mangle his name. I believe this, these details were originally in the Washington Post. March 9th, 2007, Mutanabi Street, Baghdad. On a pile of bricks, someone had left a pink plastic flower, a pair of glasses, and a book with crisp white pages. They glowed in the black debris of Mutanabi Street. This is his shoe, a man cried out. I bought it for him. It was 9.06 a.m. The man was slim, with peppery hair and square gray-tinted glasses. He clutched a black chunk of leather, melted by the heat. I bought it for him. He kissed the piece of leather, placed it gently next to the flower, the eyeglasses, and the book. Come and see it, he yelled to five men carefully digging through debris. It is his size. This is your shoe, he yelled to the pale blue sky. My son, I bought it for you. The six men, all relatives, were hunting for a teenager's remains. The boy had gone shopping for notebooks on Mutanabi Street, named for a 10th century poet. They had been digging since Wednesday, morning till night. The men stared blankly at the shoe. No one had the heart to speak, so they kept digging. Don't step hard, the father said. Don't harm him. And when you read about this community, it was so vibrant. And there was such a sense after the fall of Saddam that all of this sort of commentary that had been, un that had been suppressed was just about to sort of bubble up and, and run over. And um, I think it hit us where we lived. And I think that people have felt very helpless about the war and that this somehow was something that people could focus on responding to one place one moment and that was Mutanabi Street for a lot of us I think for me the um the wound is so um deep as you know Julie puts it so well and it's it, beyond Mutanabi Street and in Mutanabi Street these the destruction of the Iraqi civilization the culture the words the the ancient is so so pervasive that it's just, it really has a resonance with me as Palestinian. I'd like to start woman, with um, the poet Nazik al-Malaika, who is uh, an Iraqi, a female poet, one of the most prominent and really brilliant poets of her time. Recently passed away this past summer in June in Cairo after a long exile from Iraq. 
It's useful to say that she was not only a poet, but also one of the finest literary critics、um, there was in the Arab world. She was also a pioneer in establishing the theories of what has come to be known as free verse in Arabic poetry. So her her poetry, you know, in addition to her extensive laments on the oppression of women, inner turmoil, and melancholy, her poetry was also the poetry of political defiance, resistance, and national struggle. I'd like to read her poem, Lament of a Worthless Woman. Lament of a Worthless Woman. She left, no cheek turned pale, no lip trembled. The door did not hear the story of her death. No window curtain overflowed with sorrow and gloom to follow the tomb until it disappeared. The news tumbled down the avenue, its echo not finding a shelter, so it strayed, forgotten in some hole. The moon lamenting its depression. The night surrendered itself without worry to the morning. The light brought the voice of the milk girl, the fasting and the moaning of a starved cat, of which nothing remained except the bones. The fussing of salesmen and the struggle of life. Kids threw stones at one another in the middle of the road, while dirty water flooded the avenue, and the wind toyed with the gates at rooftops, alone in a state of semi-oblivion. That's Nazik and Malaika. And it is Mutanabi Street is where we all live, and so it's it's it. For me, it stems from a sense of outrage and also、um, a sense of being able to do something positive and forward to move on to move forward and keep Mutanabi Street alive always.、Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about who Mutanabi was. He is a most revered classical 10th century. Poet in Iraq. His name Mutanabi means the one who thinks he is a prophet, which is a perfect name for a poet. Right. <laughs> so I can see from reading about him that he was a bit of a rascal at times, but he wrote some lovely verse as well. And he's very often quoted and in, in,、mm-hmm. in, in literary circles and, and in universities, and he's a point of reference, really. Right.、So. And we talked earlier about the impact of war on culture that sometimes goes unnoticed. I wanted to talk about what your thoughts of seeing how culture is devastated by war. I mean, I guess anyone who's a student of history really knows this very well that a military invasion is also a cultural invasion, and.、Um, You know, with with Mutanabbi and with the center of learning as Baghdad is、uh, was and hope will continue to be. There's this. It's the cultural invasion is so prevalent in in you know in, in the, it's a part of colonialism. It's a part of occupation. It's a part of just destroying. It's it's destruction. And so the connections are very real and they're very there. And from what I gather, this was a place where. People came together of different ethnicities. People lived together. There was a lot of exchange. There was a lot of people living side by side, t- even when times became polarized. And this was a sort of a beacon. From what my understanding of it was that, that Mutanabi Street was a bit of a beacon of hope in the darkness in what remained of Baghdad. I completely agree with Julie. I mean, it's 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 like a flowering、yeah. in, in in the in how the sects used to、um, cooperate, and it's it's it, it to me it's. Reminds me of Al Andalus, 
where the flowering of civilizations mm. occurred and there was a bubbling. And so Mutanabbi is, is, has that um, potential, has that feeling of, of being like an Andalus. What are your hopes for that? You, you're you talking about a street that was devastated and yet there is hope. I wanted you to talk about the hope that you see for that street and for potentially a flowering of sorts to take place. It's, it's, a, it's a tough question for me, actually, the flowering of sorts. Um, it would come after a long, long healing. I do have hope for the healing of Iraq um, in particular. I think it's um, a wonderful old country that cannot, cannot be destroyed by cultural or military invasions. I think it will rise like a phoenix from the ashes. I really do. So I do have that hope. I do. And in the meantime, I think what we can do from here is simply to bear witness, to remember, which is what poetry does better than anything, I believe. Um, and to make it, to embody what happened and make it alive for other people so that there may be more response to to that atrocious day in March and to what's going on now beyond Mutanabe Street. I wanted to ask you, Bo, to let us know how people can hear more of this wonderful poetry and help with the Mutanabe Street Project. They can be involved by showing up, number one, at the Coret Auditorium on August 26th at 1 p.m. And there are going to be 17 poets um, altogether, uh, a lot of varied voices, but all woven um, into the same place. I'd like to read, if I may, um, something from our flyer that has kind of a statement about what we feel about more an internal kind of response to what happened on Mutanabe Street. It goes like this. We are among the pages of every book that was shredded and burned and covered with flesh and blood that day. And to those who would manufacture hate with the tools of language, those who would take away the rights and dignity of a people with the very same words that guarantee them, and to anyone who would view the bodies on Mutanabe Street as a way to narrow the future into one book, we say, as poets, writers, artists, booksellers, printers, and readers, Mutanabe Street starts here. That's the voice of Bo Boussoulet, who along with poets and writers Dima Shahabi, Julie Brock, and earlier Summer Brenner and Sinan Antoun are all part of the Mutanabe Street Coalition. They have gathered to remind us of the significance of the bombings that took place on Mutanabe Street on March 5th of this year, a street where more than 30 people were killed and more than 100 were wounded. This street is the historic center of Baghdad bookselling, named after the famed 10th century classical Arab poet Al-Mutanabi. It has been the heart and soul of the Baghdad literary and intellectual community. As mentioned earlier in the show, there will be a reading this Sunday, August 26th at 1 p.m. at the San Francisco Public Library, which is located at 100 Larkin Street in San Francisco. For more information, you can visit them on the World Wide Web at Mutanabe Street. That's M-U-T-A-N-A. 
B-B-I-S-T-R-E-E-T, oneword.com. You've been listening to Open Book, Friday's edition of Cover to Cover with Bonnie Bone at the controls. I've been your host, Amelia Gonzalez. Thanks for listening. Think of the hard knock, you think of that station of resistance. One of the most phenomenal beats of all time. Good information and great radio. News, views, and hip hop. What? Do it the way you feel it. Hard knock. Hard knock. Hard knock. Radio. Monday through Friday. And it's from 4 to 5 p.m. Knocking hard in your area. 94.1 KPFA. Only revolution is our evolution. <sighs> so good. You're invited to listen in, learn, and be nourished this Saturday, August 25th from 10 a.m. to noon with a two-hour special broadcast on Black August. Kilu Naisha will host the History of Black Resistance, um, the legendary Black August scholar, revolutionary journalist, and Black Panther veteran, joined by Minister of Information, J.R., of the Prisoners of Conscience Committee and the Block Report Radio. That's this 